Greetings and hello to everyone. Thank you for joining me on Splinters. This is Gary Rogowski. Today's topic, well, it's a one near and dear to my heart. Uh, I call it Balancing Act. I, I could have given it another title. The fight between ignorance and stupidity, perhaps. You know, ignorance, I, I tell my students this, ignorance is not knowing how to fix a computer. Stupidity is thinking that I can fix mine with a hammer. A hammer is the wrong tool. It may feel right at the moment, but it's usually the wrong tool for that kind of computer problem that I need to get fixed. So, ignorance can be cured. That's what I tell my students. Now, let me tell you this story. I am not a stupid man most days. I am sometimes not very bright, and I can miss the obvious solution because I am set on another that I am convinced is more right. I have tunnel vision, where I think only one answer is the right one. My reasoning gets blinded by my certainty, by my excitement about my certainty. And then I get sold on the truth of my notion when somebody else agrees with my thinking. Arm in arm, we go walking down the path of ignorance. I may have one answer. It just happens to be the wrong one at that time. Another answer then presents itself simply and beautifully. And here is this story of this ignorance of mine. This happened when I was engaged in a large church construction project. I'd been brought on to the design team early on because I knew one of the architects involved in the construction. It was a new Catholic church. A site had been picked out, a design conceived, and it had all sorts of merit. But it got rejected by the bishop in charge of these things. For some reason, the design had been deemed too gaudy or too gouty. I'm not sure what the problem with it was, but it evolved into a kind of round, open barn, still with some charms to it. Logs were cut from the site and used as support pillars around the, around the room to hold up the roof. And the room was a circle, spacious. A bowl of seated spectators looked down onto the altar. Very Roman Colosseum-like. Fitting, you know? Anyway, I designed five furniture pieces for the church, including an altar, a tabernacle, a candle stand, a bishop's chair, and the ambo, or pulpit. Each had their own challenges, such as the bishop's chair. It sat near the tabernacle for the bishop or other priests whenever they showed up and needed to sit down. Now, I had spoken with the priest in charge of this flock, Father John, and his design advice on this chair was to make it ample. He said ample. In his words, the priests wore many vestments typically, and these billowed out. And I shook my head, of course. They required space, real estate, enough surface in the chair to make it roomy, he told me. This was his advice. It needed grandeur. It was called a bishop's chair, after all. I renamed it to myself, the big butt chair. This seemed more appropriate, more accurate for the real purpose of this piece, getting these wide bodies seated. A lot of bishops ate well, at least that's how I remembered it from my days as an altar boy, and what I had gleaned from Father John. Nobody said the Catholics don't feed themselves. I point this out only to note that in a design problem, one must remain flexible in order to solve it. Now, another piece, the ambo, turned out to be a particularly thorny problem in design. This pulpit needed a place from which to read scripture, give sermons, and to welcome the congregation. So it required a wide, flat space on which to place things like books and elbows and stuff. It also needed to be adjustable up and down, but without a sound. 
I was told, without a sound. No motors allowed. It had to move up and down quietly. It also had to accommodate someone as short as the gal in a wheelchair who read at Mass and another parishioner who stood six foot three inches tall. So it needed to move up and down a fair amount, and this needed to be done on the QT. How to accomplish this task fell to me. I designed a two-column system that supported the book rest with relative ease. It allowed me to angle that surface and gave me plenty of vertical movement in these columns to work with to raise and lower the pulpit. But how to lock it? How to lock it and make it easy to move was my problem. With no motor, I decided that counterweights were the ticket. Okay, what kind of counterweight? Can't be a bunch of threaded nuts on a string. You know, they're going to bang together. So I had about 20 or 30 pounds to move if I added in a book on top. So what would make this work easily enough for the various readers who came forward and would have to adjust it? The solution was simple. In my mind, simple. I would counterbalance the ambo with weights on ropes hidden behind a wall that was right in front of the ambo, so no one would see them. The weights I had decided would be made of concrete poured into tubes of PVC, PVC pipe. This way, if they hit anything, they would just gently clunk. As long as they weren't seen, they would work like a charm, I thought. Put a screw eye in the concrete before it's set, and then you run a rope to that, and there you go, run some pulleys. I thought it would be great. Now, all I needed to know was how much a tube of concrete would weigh. And I could find no information on this. I did not know how to calculate this. So I went to the concrete yard that sold cement and sand and mortar. I knew about this place. And I asked the guy at the counter how much a sack of his concrete would weigh at the end of wetting it down. I figured you go to the top. Go to the guys at the top. They would know things like this. He didn't know. It weighed 60 pounds now, dry in its sack. It would weigh more later on once it had been wetted down and then cured. And I bought and paid for two sacks. But I was still in the dark as to how much I was going to put in these tubes. But I marched forward, secure in the knowledge that concrete was the key to my solution. And I had bought concrete. I was moving forward. I knew what I was doing. Designer guy. Can you see my arm outstretched? designer guy. And the counterman sold concrete. So there it was. He didn't give me options because he sold sacks of concrete. That's what will work. I agreed with him. Concrete. Let's just march down the aisle, secure in this knowledge. And if it doesn't work, well, it worked for others and should have worked for you. I assumed that both he and I were right about the concrete. So I go out into the yard and I run into a guy who fills the orders. And he drove around on a forklift inside this dark warehouse, moving pallet loads of concrete and sacks of mortar up and down off their racks and delivering them to trucks and stuff. And I walked out and held up my pink invoice papers, and he finally stopped and looked it over and said, concrete. Now, forklift drivers don't get a lot of credit for smarts in most warehouses. Low, low men on the totem pole. They drive around, and the best thing they can do is to not drop their loads onto the floor. Not much design work involved, presumably. I handed him the, the invoice papers, and I, and I said, I have a question for you. I asked him, how much would a sack of concrete weigh after mixing it up and pouring it into a 4-inch diameter PVC tube that I was using as a counterbalance for this ambo pulpit thing that I had to adjust up and down quietly, and it was, had to be easy to move and quiet and et cetera, and blah, blah, and, you know, on I droned, expecting to get a weight answer from him. I rambled on about the pulpit 
and how I'd solve the noise issue, but still didn't know the weight of concrete, which was my design problem. Now that I faced, and he listened to me. He listened to me the whole time with no judgment in his look, no derision in his glance, no laughter in his eyes. He never dropped a load to this yard man. He asked me, why don't you use ballast sand instead? It was like he had slapped me straight in the forehead with the flat of the palm of his hand. I responded quick so I wouldn't fall over from the surprise. Well, it's because I didn't know about ballast sand. I didn't know it existed. Ballast sand. Ballast sand? That was too easy, too simple, too brilliant. Put some sand in for more weight. Take some ballast sand out if it was too much. A balancing act. Brilliant. The forklift driver schooled me some more. Yeah, folks in theater use it all the time for raising and lowering curtains. Put some in your tubes and add more or take some sand out if it's too much. I'll get you some. I think it was a 40-pound sack of it that he brought back to me. I went back inside and switched around my invoice and snorted quietly at the man behind the counter because even he didn't know about ballast sand and he was supposed to know his products, not like me, who was a roughshod numbskull from the woodworking world. What would I know about ballast sand? I searched the counter for some way to clothe my ignorance in the best possible fashion. Then I ran across the street to the burrito shop and bought this yard man a gift certificate for lunch. He had saved me from a stupid choice and given me the solution. It was simple, it was elegant, and it was as natural to him as breathing. He just knew it. Here it is, he offered it to me, and it bowled me over. Stunned by my ignorance, I gratefully thanked the man for making my design move so well now and <laughs> sparing me the shame of having to get rid of concrete tubes of, you know, PVC pipe. Let me just say that there are some days when I learn just how ignorant I can be. What serves me well is being grateful for those days of my continuing education. It saves me from a lot of useless concrete work. Ignorance, not concrete, cured. I hope you'll take some uh, comfort in these words and take them to heart. Don't presume you have the right answer. <laughs> Consider the options. Take advice. Be willing to admit your ignorance. It's a very useful quality. It's the best way. Really, it's the best way. My ignorance had been cured. Well, that's it for me this week. Short and sweet. I appreciate you listening in. Please... Send us a like or review us on the platform that you listen in on, iTunes or wherever you may listen. I appreciate your checking it out and providing support for me on coffee, K-O-F-I dot com. I appreciate that as well. Please check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. We have some online lectures coming up in March. March 10th, we have a lecture coming up on choosing wood. Much to discuss, very much to, to discuss there. And then on March 24th, we do a survey of my top 10 hand tools. I'm thrust into a, a desert island. What are the 10 hand tools that I would bring with me? And then come April, check out our website, northwestwoodworking.com. I put up a new class. It's called the Build Along Session. So this is something new I'm going to try. Basically a project class with me online. It's going to stretch out over eight weeks, which uh, should be enough time. It's a fairly simple coffee table project. But it'll give us the opportunity to go through some basics about choosing wood and arranging for grain and cutting mortises and fitting tenons, uh, arranging the top, some finished finish work. 
so there's going to be a lot of good stuff. And we'll do it as alternating classes. So the classes will run on Saturday for two hours, and then the next Saturday will be a one-hour Q&A session. And then after that, it'll be a two-hour class, and then the next one. So like that, alternating between two-hour work sessions and one-hour Q&A where questions pop up during the week, and I'll be there to answer them for you. So check that out. Build a long session, building the floating coffee table. All right, I think that's it for me. Stay warm, stay healthy, take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Thank you.